You are listening to The Worlding Podcast, where we explore the relationship of how we are both, shaping and being shaped by our surroundings. The podcast traces interconnections by inviting each episode's guest to pass on the mic to someone who has influenced their world. And now, here's your host, dance artist Renee Schadler. Hello friends. Today we travel to Glasgow in Scotland to continue our seventh string figure with my guest Zinzi Buchanan, a non-binary artist working with dance, performance, facilitation and poetry. Zinzi was recommended by Zygma Zacharias, who in the last episode explored grief as a materiality. Now we're continuing that conversation, focusing especially on chronic illness and Zinzi's project, Sick Bed Series, that is by and for people who are sick or that care for the sick. Thanks so much for chatting with us today, Zinzi. Hi, nice to be here. To begin, could you tell us a little bit about your surroundings at the moment and what's welding you from your apartment in Glasgow? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm sitting, uh, I have these amazing windows. They're really tall and wide and I'm sitting at a desk in front of them and I'm in my bedroom and behind me is my bed and it's very neatly made today. And I have um, lots of plants to my left. I've got three types of geranium and they smell incredible. One of them is a rose geranium, and I'm particularly into that smell. And the, I lo also love the texture of the leaves, so I touch them a lot and sniff them, sniff my fingers. Um, yeah, the sky is grey, and um, there's quite a lot of activity on this street, even though it's um, it's not a very well connected street. But there's still loads of people coming and going, and cars. Um, and I have a lot of colour in my room, like so many different colours. I'm really happy with all the colours that I have at the moment. I think they look great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. Because actually you spend a lot of time studying what it is to be in bed. This space of perhaps cosiness, perhaps feeling disappointed that you're in bed and not somewhere else. Can you talk a little bit about being in bed and how the sick bed series kind of generated from this experience? Yeah, so sick bed series was a series of events that I made last year, um, all for, um, all in bed, <laughs> for people to experience in bed. And um, this this began with um, like a chronic illness that started like coming up to five years ago now. And um, I spent a lot of time numbing myself actually for like years at the beginning of this with like painkillers and other means. And, um, and I wasn't really, I wasn't really, Uh, stepping up for life or for myself and um, actually but just not long before the pandemic I 
I started to think about how I could like move move into the world again uh, creatively and I thought about making art for people like myself that spent a lot of time exhausted and in pain <laughs> like chronically ill or um you know couldn't be present in in the world in the way that's expected of like what people might call like functional people um so it was it was like for me a way of um, connecting and moving things I felt very stagnant and hopeless mm. um there was a long personal journey before I came to this and actually the pandemic really helped me to move into this space because it became like more of a what do people say an equal playing field I don't know whether I'd use that analogy but I don't have another one something where I didn't feel so isolated because I wasn't that much more abnormal like I felt before <laughs> um so yeah there was something about that that gave me the space to imagine how my world can be shared in the world if that makes sense Totally. I also find it so affirmative in a way and quite generative because in the sickbed series, which uh, for people that aren't familiar with it, had many different parts. So there was a stage performance that took place in a theatre and then there was also talks uh, which people could participate in from bed and live performances, which you could stream from bed. And uh, looking at the stage performance, there were beds on stage and the audience was lying on beds and the action was taking place around them. And I'm really interested in how, Zinzi, you bridged these two worlds, this very personal, often isolated space or perhaps a space that's shared with your partner or a lover but very intimate and put it on stage and allowed people to yeah be in bed just to chill on stage which as a dance artist myself I know often when you're on stage and there's lights on you there is that pressure to perform which in a way this uh, push and pull I can also relate to if you're experiencing chronic fatigue or chronic illness when you're put in the position to perform or be functioning, as you said, there's also something so violent in that, like um, mm. so much pressure. So, yeah, I find it really inspiring that you also allowed audiences to embody that when they were in the piece, just to chill in bed on stage. How were people responding to that proposition? So, yeah, the setup was um, that there was like 20 beds for audience members to be in. And, um, yeah, the the bit that you said about um, the violence of it actually reminded me of one of the things. I, I am taking myself back to that time. That's why I'm a bit slow because <laughs> it feels a long time ago now um, that I felt like I can't I'm not a dancer like I can't be seen there was um fear of judgment I felt fear of being judged for lacking mobility 
and um you know not being able to move like one should according to being a dancer <laughs> so there was something about creating a situation where the dance there was me and two other dancers like um to take away the visual sense as the the major what do you call it the the primary sense that is often the case with dance shows or it has been historically and although there's so many people that that play with this so when people are lying down in bed and um the dancers are moving between the beds not all the time just some of the time and we were also wearing um like these long capes made from shower curtains so there was like a you could hear the movement of this like long long material because it touched the floor and it it sounded so you could also hear when someone moved past and and the, the score that we were moving with was to dance without ego so it was very very open <laughs> the interpretation of this was so open like I didn't do anything rigorous I didn't like rehearse and try and perfect anything it was really just like how to dance without ego. I know that we all had our own ways of playing with this, but really it was to take away the thing of being judged. And um, so that that was one of the motivations be behind having there still being dance and it being a performance for moving bodies <laughs> that we moved, but that people are in bed and it's over a long period of time and they're horizontal hearing you speak i think also about the movement of people in beds like the audience would also have a very embodied experience of rolling over onto their tummy to see something or sitting up on their like knees cross-legged to see something or you know like you moving a pillow around in a way also the audience begin to dance with you I can imagine that there there was this feeling <laughs> for people that to shift around in their beds to get a shift of their senses of the space of the the dancers in the space of the sound in the space other people in their beds uh, yeah I can imagine that yeah it was a bit like a dance from the bed as well Maybe I'll try that tonight, actually, when I go to bed. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're saying like this motivation to move through the chronic illness, initially when I heard you say that, I thought about this pressure to go to work or this pressure to care for your family that involved getting out of bed. But now hearing you talk about the work, I'm like, maybe a movement is just rolling over. You know, like it mm -hmm. becomes a question also of scale um, that when the, the judgment is released of the size of an action or the function of an action, maybe rolling over is enough <laughs> if you decide what's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, like who is to be the, the judge of what is enough. It definitely is painful when that comes from outside. And then when it comes from being sensed inside yourself then you know when it's enough <laughs> or there's like it's a you're not doing something to please another person <laughs> yeah totally 
Can you talk a little bit about the process of making the work? Because when I look at what the bed series was and the amount of actions, you have an amazing website. Actually, can you tell listeners the website address? Yeah, sure. Um, it's uh, sickbedseries.com. Cool, one word. Yeah, just no, no spaces, sickbedseries.com. And it's in English and German. Yeah, it's super wild to see, yeah. actually. It's like so much work. And I think, wow, it's also a lot of output to achieve from this state. And also people in your team are sick. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about how you achieved what was achieved? Like from inside, how was that experience? So I began I began the process with I wrote I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I kept coming back to it which was that my my role in this work is to facilitate which is for me like to make easier or to make possible so my situation personal situation of being chronically exhausted and in pain was so that that was for for myself as well but also for my collaborators so the way that I worked with collaborators was from a distance and it ended up being a sound collage from many different artists. Um, so it's like bringing everybody into a room through sound um, because it was COVID and we didn't know at any point whether we might have to, uh, we wouldn't be allowed in the room together anymore also, it was something for me about um, my capacity to be present that actually it was okay for me to have a day where really all I had to, all I could do was be in bed and have like a, um, you know, work with sound for that day rather than being, you know, preparing my body to be in a rehearsal room with other bodies. Um, so... Yeah, I decided to do it this way and um I'm not gonna lie, there was some there was some tricky, tricky aspects to this and there was definitely some things that I would do differently. Um it's always very challenging working with a huge team and um I think I think actually like something reflecting on this whole experience is that um people that speak out in whatever way, whether it's through art or writing or as activists on um, disability and chronic illness, we can learn so much from these people as to how to be in the world in general. And I have learned that from my experience and through connecting to so many other people's experiences through like coming out of being isolated and connecting to other people that are sharing their work in the world. Uh, so that's something for me was like, a, it was an imperfect thing. I think what came out of it was something very beautiful. I was very lucky to work with incredible artists, a lot of whom are my friends, um, who also experience chronic illness in many forms. And what I did to begin the process was just held space for them to be curious about something. So I... I didn't push for anyone to talk about their sickness in detail. Like, it wasn't important that the sickness itself was known, but it was more important to 
open space for curiosity. So I worked with people where I would just have an initial chat, a bit like how we're having now, actually, you know, like talking about our worlds <laughs> and then um, holding space for them to research into a particular topic. So we had, um, like Clay did some research into the body as a time machine and the potential for time travel in the body and connecting that um, to sick time, concepts of time that are outside of capitalist time. And then Fire did some research into sleep and sleep deprivation and how... Um, Sleep is something that you can see, like that's taken from people that are exploited in capitalism for the benefit of those that have more luxury and the luxury of sleep and leisure and rest. And and working with like another person, Martina Hefter, who is a caregiver, who is the main primary caregiver for her chronically disabled husband. And so there was so many different experiences, different voices that came into the piece. And the soundscape was like sonically held by samples from Nick's electronic drone choir, which was an absolute dream for me to connect with them because I, I knew about them before making this work. They work with healing and collective voice to make sound and... It was perfect for holding this collage of voices together and the effect that it had on everybody in their beds was amazing. It also really resonates as you're talking, like, who does the labour? <laughs> it sounds like a little bit of a tangent, and bear with me. <laughs> but just as you're talking about, like, making a show and... In a way, there's a product involved. You're making a show for stage, there's a date, there's marketing, there's like a deadline that needs to be met. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, I guess, how these um, structures can be flexible so the labour doesn't stay on the person who is outside of the kind of neuronormative functioning way that systems are created and it reminds me I had a project that I was involved in in 2019 so pre-pandemic and I was working with a group from very diverse abilities and especially close with yet yeah, another creature who was quite severely autistic and we'd been in this lab together researching for a few days and I really felt like she was my friend. There was this moment when I was like, I really want to know her name. So I said like, oh, what's your name? And she squealed, like she went, yeah! and then like ran away and I didn't see her for a few days. And I felt like really hurt, like, oh, but I, I wanted to know her name. Like she was, we were going to be friends, you know? <laughs> um, and, and somebody else said, ah, uh, but like that's your way, like your way is knowing a name, but like maybe she doesn't want to be a name today, maybe she wants to be a sound. And I thought, oh, okay. And then this person talking to me said, you could also be a sound. 
And I thought, oh, I really like Renee. Like I work so hard, you know, like I have a podcast, Renee Shadler's talking, like there's a whole package connected. And um, he said, that's fine. Like be Renee, that's fine. And then I remember I thought about it for a few days and uh, she came back and we were like working on an installation together. And then she made this sound again, like this, ah, and I went like, and she's like, cool, nice to meet you. And like, it was so, I don't know, this moment of entering into a world that feels discomfort and uncomfortable and that you might not understand, but like the audience on the bed are seeing it in a way that's different, that isn't sitting up in a chair and expecting something to come to them or if we can be sounds instead of names to interact with a different type of body or a different type of experience. I don't know if that resonates with you too, but I feel like that's really like in there in what you're proposing, Zinzi, like how can we meet each other differently? Yeah, I like listening to this story about um, you meeting this person in this finding how you could meet each other made me think about how grateful I am for um, my experience in the world of being in relationship to people that are neurodiverse. Like I have a neurodiverse cousin and uh, my dad works with people with learning difficulties. Um, So there's something that I find really sad about how segregated society is and so that the normies, like people that like operate in the, <laughs> are managed to operate according to the codes that we are expected to operate by, and not necessarily not able to meet others and themselves in ways outside of those codes, and um, yeah, like more and more, like with my own experience of, I guess for me, like my my what my idea of health being shattered and being like oh actually uh yeah I am not immune from being chronically ill and I'm not immune from um being dysfunctional in this society um has meant that I've like really reflected on how grateful I am for um my world being open to many people's worlds I can connect connect to people, lots of different people because of that. And um, yeah, I guess that was just something that I reflected on from your story. I don't think that like specifically with sick bed series, I think um, I feel like I feel like it came from a, a very tiny seed. Like I don't think I had any big plan for it. And then, of course, like the expectations of the theatre and the deadline stuff roll in. And, you know, like I kind of go into like, okay, well, I've done this before. I'm going to do it again kind of mode. I have to get it done. It came from the seed was very honest. And yeah, like it was. There was I wasn't trying to show anything to the world that was impressive. It was just how can how can i live how can we live <laughs> was it was it was really like basic foundational survival actually or like more than survival like not being just stuck in surviving mm. moving things yeah definitely i also love 
Zinzi, the tagline for a sick bed series. Um, if listeners haven't been to the website yet, if you're not like clicking on it while you're listening, I don't know why not, you should, but <laughs> if you haven't gotten there yet, the byline is a radical space for and by sickos. And I really had to smile when I read that because, yeah, what is a sicko for you, Zinzi? Okay, so I'll, I'll say a little bit more before I talk about my own thoughts on it, but I don't know. Actually, I actually know if it is a a reappropriated word. Um, like um, "crip" is a reappropriated word from the derogatory term "cripple," and "queer" is a reappropriated word from what was used as a negative word um, towards queer people. And "sicko" feels a bit like it's in that realm, but I don't actually know. Um, I think it made it feel a little bit lighter, this blurb, and uh, not so heavy and stuck. And um, I think it's a delicate thing for me to... I think it's it's one of my life's works is to bring things into the world that are difficult and find a way of doing them that I myself and others don't I mean actually it's not my responsibility but that it's not to shame it's to to bring them into the world into yeah I'd just be like these these things are here we are here and so it's maybe like a like a little tongue-in-cheek affirmation of sickness um and it also makes me think I wasn't going to bring a quote into this and it's actually more of a paraphrase because I can't remember the quote. But there's some um, in Anne Boyer's book, The Undying, which is one of many amazing books that I read by people that write about sickness um, last year. And she says something along the lines of like, those that are not yet sick will be. You know, it's something that everybody will experience. I would say actually like death is the thing that everyone will experience. Everyone will die. And I guess there is a possibility for everyone will be sick in some way if it's acute. Not everyone will experience chronic sickness. That's true. Some people might die without having had that experience. But most people, if you live into an older age or if you're if you're not privileged to have all the luxuries of capitalism if you're the ones laboring at, at the expense of those that have those things you will have a massive amount of experience of being chronically ill so there's something about like immunity this idea of immunity is an illusion it's something that we like that we tell ourselves that those that are privileged enough in the in like western society to believe at some point that they might be immune which is very isolating. What immunity does, it isolates you from understanding human connection and that we we can never we're never not in relation to other people, whether that's through the transmission of feelings or ideas or um yeah, like worlds, like that they're resonating we're all resonating alongside each other all the time as well as like bacteria and germs and you know someone who's 
deeply traumatized and the effect that that has on everyone that loves them. I think that this is something that maybe at the moment it may it might feel like too big a topic to go into, but I think that that's the bigger topic that this touches upon. Totally, how to be with each other, and and allow that to be what it is. You know that it doesn't need to be something otherwise and pre-subscribed. There's a lot of allowance from what you say. I feel, yeah. Removing also the pressure of being always well and always functioning because it's just not true. Like you said, <laughs> we're, often, we're often unwell. People get sick, people get covered, people pass away, people are born. Um, it's very natural in that way. Mm. Zinzi, as part of this podcast... I'm asking uh, guests to share a proposition or a task that myself and listeners can experience in our bodies as a way to come a little bit closer to your research and these very dense themes we've talked about today of sickness and what it is to be in bed and community also, um, which... Yeah, I would love to embody. Yeah, um, I actually did quite a few somatic experiences as part of Sick Bed series. It was how I found the possibility of like arriving into our separate beds, but being together on Zoom for the online talks and the online performances. It was something that I like spent a lot of time doing, like tasks for bodies in bed, and it was great. It was so great. Um, I'm actually not going to share one of those today because I had a little think about where I'm at right now and it feels quite far from me or I feel like I'm moving, I'm moving on and um, I have recently arrived into Scotland and the, yeah, the reason that I came to live here, there's, there's many things of like needing to make a change but one of the things was to be closer to the mountains and um what I love about Glasgow is like it's surrounded by they're not mountains around but they're like quite impressive hills <laughs> and um I wanted to do a little exercise for everybody to take a journey so maybe we can just take a moment wherever you are to just um, turn off the attentive listening sense and just, um, if you want to, like close your eyes and uh, just feel, sense what's going on in your body. Just feel from your toes through your legs all the way through the pelvis and your organs. Uh, through the arms to the top of the head just a very like imperfect scan of the body sensing the the fullness of your body and its senses and I'd like you to um, go on a journey to a place somewhere in the world that you have felt a feeling of humility 
and uh, I would recommend choosing somewhere that wasn't of human design. So perhaps it is a mountain, a mountain range, or the edge of land looking at the ocean, or a desert, or the sky, or a forest. And just take yourself towards that place. So imagine yourself moving. You might be gliding like you're in a dream or really walking and feeling your feet step one foot in front of the other until you arrive. And this place is right there in front of you. And just take a moment to remember and feel the presence of this place. Close your eyes in the place and feel what this place feels like. Now take a second to meet this place. So I'm I'm going to tell you where I am. I'm at the edge of Loch Lomond in Scotland and this loch which is a Scottish word for lake is surrounded by mountains big mountains with snowy tops and I am going to make a sound to meet this space so my sound will go deep under the water and high to the peaks of the mountains and maybe into the rock and the water itself. So just take a moment to come back to your place and feel the presence of yourself and this place and make that sound to meet that place. can be anything. It might be multiple sounds. And now come back to where you are. So you're in your you're in your space, whatever I imagine right now, if you're listening to a podcast, that you are in a room, but you might also be walking with headphones in or driving. And now just take a moment to invite that place that you were just in into the space that you're in, into the room. And let that space or place that you're in become just a tiny dot as part of this place. So it might be a piece of rock or a pinch of sand or a drop of water. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome back to wherever you are from that experience. Oh, it really like makes me tingle because I really had, uh, I felt like also talking about sick bed series and especially the stage work, thinking about all the things that you were sharing that were happening while audience members were on the beds um 
and like the time traveling and sleep deprivation and people moving without ego. I was really kind of, like you said, collaging a little bit, like things became very thick. And now through this proposition, I went to the beach in Australia. It's my favorite beach. It's very basic beach, uh, like a city beach, but it's where I grew up. And um, I have a stone here. And so then when you kind of um, dreamed it into my current space, uh, I thought like, oh yeah, this this stone is perfect. Like it also breaks down into sand and maybe it was formed by the sand in Australia and it's here in Berlin. And then I, I thought actually maybe this is a great thing to do multiple times. Like I look around my room and as you were saying, you have so many colors in your room at the start of the podcast and I have lots of pastels actually so I was like oh the green of the couch could be somewhere else in the world and <laughs> you know like you can start to really layer worlds within worlds which is very exciting actually and very playful. Do you want to go back to your the beach and I go to the mountains and we make our sounds at the same time? Yes. Do you want to try it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but can we ask listeners, if you're in a space that feels comfortable, maybe you could also do this with us, wherever you are or were and the sounds. That would be really beautiful, yeah? Yeah, great. Okay, will, will you count us in Zinzi or it's just like free flow? I'm going to take us, I'm just going to take us back to the place. Okay, and then I'll, I'll shortly guide us. So just take a moment to go back to the place that you were just in and feel the presence of it. It's a place where you have felt humility. And taking away the visual sense, just feel the presence of this space. And you're going to make a sound to meet this place. So after three, one, two, three. There's something so exciting as well about people doing this at different times. Like we're recording it a few weeks before it goes online. And then I have a friend at the moment with a small child who listens to the podcast while she's breastfeeding. And I can imagine her doing it in a few weeks and, you know, that people can pick it up at all different moments. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I also was like, I sound like I'm doing whale sound. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's it's a great I would love to do this with so many people and I wanted to say a little bit more about this visualization practice which is something that's new for me and it's definitely stemmed from being chronically ill um is that I trained to be a death doula last year and part of the practice in the training is to um facilitate guided visualizations for people that can't 
go to places anymore. So it's people at the very end of their lives. Um, although you might try and do it multiple times so that people can keep going back to places if they want to go back there or go to different places that they can no longer go to. So you ask people questions, like as many questions, like tell me more about that or tell me what does it smell like? What does it, what sounds are there? Like, are you, are you there alone? Do you have company? So you try and get as much information so that you can create this visualization for somebody and then you facilitate that for somebody so if I think I think about like when you can't get out of bed or you're you're dying you can't move and you can't go to that waterfall or um if for whatever reason that the imagination is such a great tool but that actually it we really need others to support us in that imagining it's very hard to do that alone like or like we we can find ways but it's uh, it's so great to have someone that can hold space for you to imagine and to go there with you um where i've come from this sickbed series is also to things that it's not necessarily art but it comes from a place of making things possible like facilitating things um to like the most real life experience of dying <laughs> yeah it's a huge one and I think it's also great for people that live like for you living in uh, Germany and you connect into a place in Australia and like how visualization can be such a great tool for people that live in this like highly globalized world um to be able to go to places that we can't actually go to Mm. I also really love um, how things create a web together. Just also, as you mentioned, um, dying and how being a death doula is um, influencing your work at the moment. It also speaks to Zygma, who recorded with us last episode, and with Ali Bishop in Series 6, who has an episode on sleep in the constitutions of world, like how sleep is an active agent in creation, whereas it's usually not seen that way. It's usually the doing that is the, the agent or the driving force. I really love that all together, actually, there's a community being formed. Um, mm. Yeah, so thank you so much for contributing to the world and community and um, I look forward to bringing different worlds into my room and also rolling over in my bed and seeing what a micro movement can do. <laughs> Thank you Renee, it was such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Before you go, series seven isn't quite finished yet. You're recommending uh, someone for us to continue this string figure with. Who have you lined up to speak with us next? I have um, invited Natal Igor Dobkin to join you in the Next Worlding podcast. And he is a fantastic artist who lives in Berlin 
And the reason why I invited Igor is because I'm most inspired or I most connect with artists that make art about real life experience. And Igor is an educator and an artist who does workshops and teaches people about queer performance and has done social work before. That's why I chose Igor. I'm really excited for it. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much, Zinzi. And listeners, please check out sickbedseries.com. I'm going to go there now. And yeah, we stay in touch till the next episode. And uh, all the best, Zinzi. I'm curious to continue following your work. It's been a real pleasure. You too, Renee. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Worlding Podcast. Gefördert durch die Beauftragte der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Programm Neustart Kultur. Hilfsprogramm des Tanzen des Dachverband Tanz Deutschland.